Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I've spoken to them in parables, because seeing they they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. Their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, I would heal them, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see, and to hear what you hear and did not hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. For as, sorry, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case... Sorry, in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening once again. I haven't been up here in a while. Um, the tradition uh, where I come from, when you say good evening to people, uh, there's so much space, so the echo it goes uh, um, across the land. So when you say good evening, good evening, they say back to you. Good evening. Good evening. Um, it is exciting to be opening God's word. Um, just to uh, mention a few things, uh, we, uh, with, along with a couple of uh, leaders, we went on a camp this uh, previous weekend, and that was our, our student leaders camp. Uh, so if you uh, are new to our church, we run a student ministry uh, at Pearson Institute, uh, and it's an exciting ministry where Nick became Christian. Um, so we are hoping for more guys like Nick who are going to hear the word and go out there and uh, become leaders and church planters uh, and take the gospel out. Uh, so to that end, we train our leaders. Uh, this weekend, we had about 80 guys um, across uh, Joburg uh, from UJ, uh, from Vets, and we are looking at two, Timothy and the charge to go out there and preach the good news uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was an exciting time um, together. And as you know, camp is exhausting. Uh, so I'm high on coffee once again. I'm also a new parent. Uh, so please, I hope you are sticking with me. If you're running like a train, um, I hope you will catch something there um, and um, uh, catch um, what uh, God has to say to us. Uh, so that's great news. Um, just some other great news is that um, last year we received news from the 
from Pearson Institute uh, that we're not allowed uh, to host our ministry on any of their venues on campus. And that was a, um, a bit of a letdown, and that was going to impact us negatively. Uh, and so this week, uh, some of our students have been pushing uh, to get us back in. We've been meeting uh, with the management. And this week, Friday, uh, they said um, we, uh, along with other two churches, um, are allowed back to do ministry. Isn't that awesome news? Uh, let's praise God for, for that. So as we pray, I, I want us to be thinking, um, this kind of stuff is going to happen. Uh, there's going to be more resistance um, to the gospel. Uh, there are going to be those who misrepresent the gospel uh, in front of um, uh, People are not Christians, uh, and because of that, Christians, Christianity is going to receive a bad uh, cred. But apart from that, um, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, uh, there is opposition. So we need to be praying uh, that God would give us courage when those times come, uh, but also to pray that he would uh, help us to use this moment uh, to make the best of it, to grow more leaders uh, for uh, for the kingdom. So we don't take lightly what we do. Uh, let's pray that God uh, would help us not um, to do that. Um, I'm going to ask us to bow our heads as I lead us in a time of prayer as we get into um, God's word. Our Lord Jesus, uh, we praise you. Um, we know our world needs you. Father, you've made us uh, for yourself. Uh, you made us to rule uh, this world, uh, to work and um, to create culture, to um, raise families, um, to enjoy the goodness of your creation. And we realize that um, often that is not the thing that marks our life. Our, our lives are marked by um, a different thing. Um, our lives, our relationships are a mess. Um, our jobs are frustrating and our families are broken. All this because we have chosen to be uh, the boss of us. We wanted our own kingdoms. Uh, so tonight we do pray uh, that your kingdom would come. Uh, that as your word is proclaimed, you speak to our hearts and establish your kingdom. Uh, that you'd give us hearts that turn away from our sin and our autonomy uh, and self-governance that we would rely on you, um, King Jesus. Uh, so we do pray that Christ would be uh, at the heart of what we do tonight uh, and that we would turn to him uh, in repentance and faith. Uh, this we pray in his name and for our good. Amen. Amen. Uh, so this um, last December, I had an opportunity uh, to send my child away, uh, my two-year-old, uh, to go to his grandmother for about a week. Uh, and that obviously gave me time to live my life as normal, uh, to be selfish and do the things that I want to do. Uh, so I decided to pick up uh, a just secular books to read, uh, secular meaning not Christian, um, and I came across this book. Uh, I bought it. If you know me, I buy things because they're cheap, right? So this thing was 80 bucks. And I'm like, this title is cool. Uh, this title said, Speeches That Shaped South Africa. 80 bucks. It's a thick book. I'm getting that. Uh, so I got it, um, and I started reading it. Uh, and it's such a, uh, a great book. If you have time, go to Bargain Books and buy that book. Um, because it tells us or it, it, uh, an account of the speeches um, across the 50 years of um, our country that have shaped who we are uh, as a people uh, today. 
Um, of among those speeches, there are obviously speeches by Nelson Mandela when, uh, during the Rivonia trial. Uh, as he said, that I've fought against uh, black domination, I've fought against white domination, I've cherished uh, the desire for freedom. Um, I'm paraphrasing him here. Um, he says it is an ideal that, um, what does he say? It is an ideal <laughs> uh, that I'm, I've chosen to live for and of which I'm prepared to die. Okay, and um, as you think about those words, they put them onto a house track, which sounds cool when you listen to them. Uh, but when you are saying it at the Rivonia trial, uh, they meant so much uh, at that point. And that speech uh, shaped uh, who we are as a country uh, today. Some of the speeches that have shaped our world was uh, the one that uh, the comrades prepared in prison uh, to give to Zinzi Mandela to read uh, before uh, the people. My father says, uh, there's the speech that changes, uh, changed um, um, uh, the course of our history. Some of them are Concerning HIV AIDS, so if you know there was a time in our history where AIDS was uh, quite prevalent, Ngozi Johnson uh, was um, somebody who was quite important in our understanding of HIV and AIDS uh, and where we are as uh, a country. You'd remember I'm an African by uh, Tabombeki. Uh, you'll remember uh, the speech that has shaped our current um, time now a broken man presiding over a broken society. Does anyone know who that is? Musi, my main man. Um, so those speeches um, transformed um, who we are today. And I think there's something powerful about speech and human uh, speech that it moves us uh, and it uh, changes uh, situations. But I think the most important one was this one uh, that Nelson Mandela spoke uh, at his inauguration. Uh, and this is one of the things that he said. I actually found out that most of his speeches were written by Tabombeki. I never knew that. Um, this is what Tabombeki said. <laughs> We speak as fellow citizens to heal the wounds of the past uh, with the intent of constructing a new order based on justice for all. This is the challenge that faces all South Africans today, and it is one to which I'm certain we will all rise. Um, this uh, shaped our nation as we got together uh, and reconciled and built a new South Africa um, together. But it was in many ways a speech that uh, proclaimed to the world that there is a new order order. Uh, there's a new government in place. Uh, there are new leaders uh, in place. Uh, there's a new constitution uh, and a new uh, people. Uh, and so this was going to be uh, the new order uh, as proclaimed in that uh, inauguration. Uh, and I think if we look back at history, there are many who responded positively to that message that there's a new government uh, in, in town. And there are many who responded negatively to it. There are many who said uh, we don't want to align ourselves uh, to this new uh, new government. Uh, there were two groups of people uh, who responded differently uh, to this powerful speech that was proclaiming a, a new and a powerful um, government. And I think in our passage this um, evening, we see a, a bit of that. Uh, we see uh, a man called Jesus uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God, uh, proclaiming that there's a new world order, uh, a new king that God has set up, uh, and you better bow 
your need to this king. And we see that as Jesus continues uh, to proclaim this gospel, as we call it, uh, as uh, Royden said last year, gospel is a political uh, announcement uh, that God has set up a new king, uh, which is Jesus. Uh, so as Jesus goes out, um, he uses human speech uh, to proclaim the kingdom of God. Uh, and there are those who respond positively to his message, and there are those who respond uh, negatively uh, to uh, his message. Listen to the words that Jesus say. Uh, in says in chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, I hope that you are there. Chapter 4, verse 17, I used to go to a church uh, that said, lift up your Bible and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> We're not going to do that here. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 17, this is Jesus proclaiming the Lordship, um, uh, this new order that uh, God is bringing uh, through the person of Jesus Christ. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, this was the message uh, that Jesus started um, he's calling people to turn away from their lives, calling them to turn away from uh, being autonomous and being the ruler and the bosses of their own lives. Uh, do a 180 degrees turn and turn to Jesus as Lord and King. This was his message, that I'm this king who's come uh, to bring salvation to uh, God's people. Uh, that's his message. Uh, and throughout history, whenever God speaks to, to people, uh, we see that there are those who respond positively and those who respond uh, negatively. And tonight we're going to contrast those two people. And the question that you should have in your mind is, who am I? Which group do I belong to? Um, we're thinking about the, um, the series following Jesus and Jesus is going to explain to us what it means to follow him, uh, what it means to bow our knees to him uh, as king and as lord. And we're going to discover that a follower of Jesus is someone who hangs on every word of Jesus. Let me say that again. A follower of Jesus is someone whose life hangs on every single word of Jesus. Uh, that is what we're going to see in our passage. Someone who hears the words of God, uh, the word of God in Jesus, and builds their life uh, on those uh, on those words. And Matthew is going to uh, unpack that for us. If you're new to the Bible, Matthew is simply a guy uh, who hung around Jesus, uh, who saw him teaching and preaching. We think that he's the one who wrote it, uh, this gospel. Um, gospel is simply... Um, a biography of the life of Jesus, uh, this guy who lived in Palestine, who was crucified by Romans, uh, who rose back to, uh, to life. Amen, sister. Um, so uh, what we're going to see in Matthew's gospel is Matthew is going to unpack for us the words of Jesus. And Jesus is going to explain to us what it means to be a follower. But before we get to that, I just want us to bring you up to speed as to uh, what M Matthew has been saying so far. Uh, so chapters 1 and 2, we introduce to this man, Jesus. Uh, and Matthew uh, does this wonderful thing of linking him uh, to the Old Testament. That this is the 
guy who's come to fulfill all the Old Testament promises. Now, Old Testament uh, is the story of God and uh, the nation of Israel. So that's the Old Testament. Uh, He promised the nation of Israel that one day God, he's going to set up his kingdom uh, in this world. Uh, So that happens in the Old Testament. And Matthew wants to show us that Jesus is the fulfillment of that in chapters 1, 2, and 3. He compares him to the king... uh, on David's throne, he compares him to the great prophet Moses. This is the one who's about to liberate uh, his people. So there's many uh, similarities uh, there with Old Testament people. Chapters 4 and 7, we see the teachings of Jesus. Uh, this is often what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And at, on this sermon, Jesus proclaims what the kingdom of God is about. Um, and Jesus, uh, the kingdom that he proclaims is an upside kingdom. Um, upside kingdom. It is not um, according to our culture. It is counter-cultural. He says things like this, um, and many of the gens, I don't think, would believe uh, this uh, this um, this thing that Jesus said. Uh, he says, if you if somebody slaps you on the one side, you must um, give, turn the other cheek, right? Um, Steve Harvey says, yeah, I'll turn the other cheek. I'll slap them back so much that they turn the other cheek. Um, because we don't want to hear those countercultural things, don't we? Uh, we want to live um, our lives and pay evil for evil. But God uh, comes through in the person of Jesus and proclaims that the kingdom of God is not like that. It is an upside-down kingdom. But he presses on deeper and he uh, reflects back on the law, uh, the law that says do not kill. And he says uh, that law is goes much deeper than uh, the commandment itself. I'm here to fulfill it because the key to the law is in the human heart. Uh, we've done a series um, that was titled Anatomy of the Heart. Uh, you can find that on the website. But that series goes on to, the te- to explain that the teachings of Jesus. Uh, Jesus says that obedience comes uh, from the heart. It flows from the heart. So this is what Jesus uh, was uh, proclaiming uh, on that uh, mountains. And then chapter 8 to 10, we see him interacting with people, casting out demons, coming the storm, giving people a taste of what this kingdom looks like. When God is in control of our world, um, all of the evil is driven out of this world. And as Jesus heals the sick, as he casts out demons, as he welcomes sinners, he's showing us a taste of what that kingdom would look like. Uh, so that's chapters 8 to 10. Uh, Jesus has been presented to us as king. Chapters 11 to 13, this is where we see different people and their response to the kingdom. Uh, some are like, okay, uh, this is who Jesus is. John, uh, in fact, sends a group of guys and, uh, and they ask Jesus, dude, are you the real Messiah? Are you the one who's going to change our situation and free us from the oppression of the Romans? That brings us to our passage uh, this evening, which is the parable of the sower. Uh, This parable is an explanation of the different responses that people have to the message of the gospel. Uh, So the same message goes out, some hear it, some don't. Um, I still remember high school, um, I used to get up and preach, some had uh, and became Christian, some didn't and didn't become Christians and uh, I nearly said Paul. Uh, Jesus wants us to understand why there's different responses 
uh, to the message um, of the kingdom? Why do people respond differently um, to the message of the kingdom? And I think the key here um, is the word here. The word here, um, whenever you read the Bible, this is uh, a by-the-way comment, uh, whenever you read the Bible uh, and something is repeated, it's important. Um, when something is repeated, uh, it's, it's important. If you read through uh, chapters one, chapters 13, verses 1 to 23, you'll see that the re- repeated phrase there is the word hear, hearing, um, and those uh, kind of words. The word here is quite important uh, for our purposes tonight. Um, the other clue that we get, um, if you still have your Bibles, um, have a look at chapter 12, verses 46 to 50, uh, which again points us to um, a clue, um, uh, the context uh, in which Jesus said these things that you are saying. While you are still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood out outside asking to speak to him, but he replied to the men who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And now the three gospels, are the three records of the life of Jesus, uh, all set um, the scene for our parable with this specific um, story. Guys, come to Jesus and say, your mother and brothers are looking for you. Jesus says, well, who are those? Um, have a look at Meth- Luke, because I think it sheds uh, some light um, onto that. Luke chapter chapters 8, verse 19. This is after Jesus speaks these parables. Um, to his disciples. Uh, have a look at verse 19. Luke wants us to understand the context of in which Jesus is speaking. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Uh, so there's quite a um, an emphasis there on hearing the word of the kingdom, uh, the word of God, and putting it into practice. And our parable is actually just explaining that. It is explaining to us what happens when someone hears the gospel, uh, that Jesus is king, he died for their sins, he rose again to, uh, to life, uh, that they should uh, get rid of themselves as kings over their lives and set him up as king. This is what happens uh, when... Um, when uh, that word is proclaimed, uh, have a look at verse chapter 13. If you still have your Bibles open, turn there. Chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. Uh, this is the story uh, of Jesus. Uh, verse 1 and 2. That same day, Jesus went out, to, out of the house and sat beside the sea, and, a great, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into the boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood um, on the beach. 
Uh, so just picture Jesus there, uh, stepping into the scene. People know who Jesus is. They've heard about his teachings. They've heard that he's been casting out demons. Uh, and so he comes and he does what he does. He preaches the message of the kingdom and people gather around uh, to come see him. Uh, it's like a Soweto Derby. Everyone is around there. Uh, or a game at Ellis Park Stadium, um, rugby game. People are around Jesus. And what does he do? Well, he gets onto a boat uh, and he preaches. He continues continues to, uh, to preach um, uh, the gospel uh, to them. And what does he do? Well, he tells a story to them. Uh, and this is the story, verse 3 uh, to 8. And he told them many things in parables, sayings, saying, A sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed, and, and he sowed. Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Some seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of, of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no roots, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, and some, six, some sixty, some thirty. Uh, so here's a story. Uh, of four different kind of scenarios, uh, four different kind of sowing. Uh, this guy who's a farmer, I'm picturing in my head, uh, a khaki pants, uh, this guy going out in his tractor, uh, hoeing uh, the, the seed. Uh, and this is probably not a good farmer, because uh, only 25% of his seed uh, actually finds uh, good uh, soil, uh, and it grows. Uh, so most of it, Dies, most of it is snatched away, uh, not, only 25% of it um, grows. It's a cool story. What does it have to do with the kingdom, uh, the word? Um, Jesus, why are you telling us this story? Verse 9, he says, he who has ears, let him, let him hear. What's the point of that story? He goes on to um, explain uh, to us the point um, of the story. Uh, read with me again uh, from verses 10. Uh, this time around, Jesus is not speaking to the crowd. He's speaking to this, his disciples. Notice verse 10. Then the disciples came to him and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it, is not, it has not been given. For to one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Jesus says, well, I've been proclaiming uh, my kingdom. And this sower is actually about the different responses uh, to the kingdom. But they, they can't even hear uh, this parable uh, because he says there, uh, seeing they do not see and hearing they do, do not hear, nor do they understand. Uh, the same gospel can be preached to different uh, people. One will understand uh, and others uh, will not. Verse 14, um, Matthew quotes 
or rather Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. This is the prophecy um, of Isaiah. Isaiah was a man who was calling Israel back to God, uh, saying that you guys are sinners. Uh, consider your ways and turn um, to God. And throughout the history of Israel, do you know what these guys did to the prophets? They stoned them. Uh, they did not want to hear uh, the message. It's not as if the message was not clear. Uh, it's not as if the gospel is some form of secret. No, this secret has been revealed. Jesus is king, but throughout history, people don't want to, you and I don't want to set up God as king over our lives. Have a look at verse 14. Notice the role of people, humanity hardening their hearts against God. Uh, verse 14, indeed, in, this, in, the, in their case, the prophet Isaiah fulf, uh, is fulfilled that says, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people, notice, these people's hearts have grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and they are, with their eyes they, they have closed. Their eyes have they have closed, lest they should see their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see, and to hear what you hear and did not hear. Uh, the reason why you and I reject Jesus' rule in our lives uh, is because he doesn't do the, thing, the things that you and I want um, him to do. Uh, he doesn't do the things that we expect him to do. And uh, this is the case with Israel. They expected that the Messiah would just come and smash everybody who's uh, an enemy of God, not realizing that they themselves are the enemies of God. Uh, and as Jesus steps into the scene, he wants to show them that everybody is an enemy. Uh, everyone is welcomed into the kingdom uh, by grace and by grace alone. Uh, human hearts do not want to hear uh, that message uh, because this is not what we expect of God. We want God to serve us, as Nick was saying earlier on. We want to come to church to get something from God um, as we come through. We want to go to God, not for the sake of God, but for the sake of us. Uh, what can this God give me? Is he going to bless me this year uh, in 2020? Is, is he going to sort out my frustrations uh, at work? Is he going to improve my financial uh, situation, this God? If I trust in this Jesus, uh, what does he have uh, that he's going to um, give, um, give to me? But as you read the Gospels, uh, you realize that Jesus is not interested about giving you stuff. Uh, he's interested in you and I bowing our knees to him because he's king and he's Lord. Uh, that's not what we expect. So we harden our hearts. Uh, other translations use the word callous. Um, our hearts are callous um, against this message. Um, have you ever, how many of you have cons? <laughs> You're not going to admit that uh, at a, a church, are you? Um, but if you wear shoes uh, that are not that great for quite some time, uh, your little toe, I don't know what they call it, um, grows a skin on top of it. Um, what is it? Yes, yes, yes. That's what it is. Um, so that's um, a heart that is con constantly rejecting the rule of God um, is like that cons. Amen, Barcelona. <laughs> Amen. 
And it takes the power of God um, to remove that callous heart and to give us hearts that are receptive uh, to the message um, of Jesus. Um, the rest of our story, Jesus explains to us, and he gives us a clue as to what he's talking about. And I want you to think about these four types of scenarios um, and, and see that, I guess, in your life, where, where do you see yourself? Uh, there's four scenarios. Which one would best describe your life uh, and the call of Jesus in your life uh, to place him as king and as Lord um, over you? Um, which one of these scenarios um, would best characterize you? Have a look at verse 18. Here, once again, Jesus uses that word. Here, then, the parable of the sower. Jesus doesn't leave us in suspense. Uh, he explains to us uh, the different soil. Have a look at verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, um, what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So the seed that was sown uh, along the path, this is what it is like. It's someone who hears the word of the kingdom, uh, that Jesus is king uh, over your life, um, and, they, and they don't understand it, and the evil one comes and snatches it away uh, from them um, so that it's, it doesn't take root uh, in their lives. Um, how many of us have had sermons that talk about forgiveness, um, and you go along thinking, shucks, that was quite persuasive. Okay, so that's a seed being sown that Jesus, when he's king over your life, he's a forgiving king, therefore your life should be marked by forgiveness. You hear that word, um, and then you go out into the world, uh, you encounter people who hurt you so much, uh, and come Tuesday, um, the devil snatches that word um, away from you. You start reasoning within your heart, that, yeah, 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 I understand that that's what Jesus says, but I don't think Jesus would have understood my situation. Um, if he knew uh, the person who's hurt me, I don't think he'd be calling me uh, to that kind of, uh, kind of life. So the word doesn't take root, and the devil snatches it away. We hear it, we're excited when we go out, uh, but it grows, it's sown on uh, the path, and so it doesn't grow. How many of us have been with Christians um, or you've walked with someone the faith uh, and seen them uh, just dwindle away from the faith. Uh, somebody who proclaimed Jesus as King and as Lord over their lives, but when you look at their lives now, um, you can't even recognize them. Jesus wants to explain that this is exactly what it looks like. This is like seed that is sown along the path that the devil snatches away. Have a look at the second scenario, the seed that never grows roots. As for you, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives, receives it with joy. How many of you have seen these guys? You preach the gospel to them. They get so excited. They receive uh, the gospel with, uh, with joy. They turn away from their sins. Uh, they look like uh, the gospel is taking root in their life. But have a look at verse 20. One, yet he has no root in himself, but enjoys, endures for a little while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. That is the reality um, of the proclamation of the kingdom. When uh, the word goes out uh, through human speech, uh, some people um, hear the word, they get excited. 
Um, but the reality of what it means to be a Christian um, takes that away from them. They're like, if that's what it means um, to be a Christian, um, then I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. I, I want a Jesus who forgives my sins. I want a Jesus who guarantees me a ticket uh, to heaven. Uh, but I don't want him to be Lord and Savior um, of uh, Lord over my life. I just want him to be uh, the Savior. Have a look at verse 22. I don't know if that characterizes uh, your life right now. You became a Christian because maybe you think the Christian faith uh, is an awesome thing. It is an awesome thing, uh, but the Bible calls us to calculate the cost. It is going to cost you something. Uh, and when life hits on that nerve, um, I wonder if that's going to be you. Have a look at verse 22. As for what are sown among thorns, uh, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As the gospel goes out, as that farmer sows the seed, I still remember uh, in my village, come November or so, uh, before the December rains, uh, we plow the fields and then we cast the, the seed. Um, imagine you cast in the seed of maize uh, and some of it uh, falls among thorns uh, and instead of growing it, it's choked up. But notice what Jesus says there, uh, the thing that chokes this word, uh, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. Now, if there was ever a thing that you and I are in danger of living in Jobek, it has to be this one, isn't it? The cares of this world, the desire to pursue wealth, the desire to uh, make it up in a, um, make it up, make, what am I saying? Um, to make it in the corporate world, uh, the desire to drive a GTI. as they call it, a vrpa. Uh, for those who don't understand, GTI makes that noise, um, and people just, we just love it. And it's just like, uh, my ambition as a student, I just want to finish my degree and make money uh, at a certain age. Um, that's the desire in Midrand, isn't it? Uh, we see this desire being played out uh, with guys sitting there by McDonald's on their computer saying to us, man, like school is useless. Working is useless. Why would you want to work for somebody if you can work for yourself? Come to me. Let me teach you how to trade Forex. <laughs> and your life will never be the same again. You will drive the best. You will live in the best of estates. And on we chase these things. Um, instead of desiring to build the kingdom of God and to do work, uh, we turn away from that uh, and we want more and more wealth. Here, right now, I want to be rich at 25. How many of us had that dream and now you're in your 30s and, <laughs> and life has shown you flames? Uh, um, just for our students, life will show you flames. Uh, amen. Um, so that is the reality, right? Um, Jesus uh, tells us that he is Lord over every aspect of our lives. He's calling us um, to a life of uh, being salt and light in this world. Uh, but guess what uh, we focus on? We want more and more money. And that um, kind of hinders our ability to hear uh, his word, to place him 
uh, as keen, to not only hear the word, but live it out. The desire for more money is such a powerful thing. Um, this is the words of um, a guy. I'm going to read this um, um, extract from a book called Sex and Money. If you haven't read that book by Paul Tripp, it is one of the best things that you'll read uh, because Paul Tripp goes to the heart of human behavior. He goes to the heart of why you and I don't want to place Jesus as king over sex in particular and money. This is what he says. He says that if you hunger for, if the hunger for paradise is wired into your heart, and it is, either you will realize that this present life has been designed as a preservation for the paradise to come, or you will do your best and work your hardest to turn the present moment into the paradise it will never be. Does that describe somebody this evening? You and I live in a broken world, and right now we will not, we will not be the paradise, we will not now will not be the paradise we seek. You and I are flawed people living with flawed people, and collectively we have no ability whatsoever to deliver paradise to one another. Every place you go and every created thing you handle will, has been damaged by the fall. This simply is not and won't be the paradise you seek. For all you have placed, all who have placed their trust in the Savior, paradise is, secu- is a secure reality. The paradise for which your heart longs is coming, but you will not experience it right here and right now. That is the reality of being a disciple of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, uh, that money is not going to provide that paradise that you and I will seek. And if you believe that it is going to do that, uh, then you will not hear Jesus. You will not understand what he's talking to you, um, telling you to, to do. No, God has chosen to keep you in this broken world in order to use its brokenness to prepare you for what he, what it is, what, what is to come. The broken you, the brokenness you live in the middle of and the difficulties you face there are not in any way God's good plan for you. Uh, they are an important ingredient in it. Um, have you ever thought of your life in that way? Have you ever thought of money um, in that way and living in this broken life? Um, have a, um, um, I'm going to continue with the quote because I think it's such a powerful um, quote. Um, please grab that book. It is 70 bucks at, uh, what is it? Good Neighbors, Augustine Bookshop or Good Neighbors Bookshop. There's one in Northgate. Uh, if you want, I can order that for you. Come chat to me. Um, he says, we frantically spend on material things, physical experiences, and new locations in search of a piece of paradise. Our hearts long for the freedom from external difficulty and internal emptiness uh, that we so often feel. We instinctively know that there must be more, that, it, that this can be it. Deep within us, we feel like we are missing something. So in our eternity amnesia, we don't lift up our eyes um, to look afar and consider the glories that are coming. No, we open our wallets and look around at what may have the potential to give us the paradise we are seeking. And because nothing can deliver it, we spend from thing to thing to thing, hoping that the next thing will deliver 
such a powerful thing, but we don't end up with paradise. We end up with houses that are bigger and more luxurious than we need, cars that are more identity markers uh, than means of transport, a pile of possessions, many of which lie unused, amassed dead and wallets that are empty, but the paradise that we spend to get has eluded us. And he goes on to say that, yes, you can budget and try to govern your life, but if your heart is not transformed, if you still think that you will find paradise, you will not hear Jesus. Um, The desire for wealth will choke the word um, of God. Uh, We are about to lend it. If if you're in the black church, you'll start singing a song if you feel like I'm going on for too long, uh, and then I'll just humbly sit down. (laughs) But we are about to uh, finish off with the last... um, Soil. Have a look at verse 23. And this is who Jesus says that his followers are. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears the fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is um, good soil. The 25% that grows is people who hear the word of Jesus uh, and like these disciples go on to grapple with Jesus. Jesus, what did you mean when you said you have lordship over this area of my life? Uh, going back to him uh, and interrogating his word uh, so that you may, uh, it may bear fruit in your life. It may be rooted in your life uh, and bear fruit uh, in Uh, in your life. So again, the question, uh, which of these scenarios best describe you? Are you in a place where you are hearing the word of God uh, and not just hearing it, but grappling with it uh, at your own um, private space um, to not just be hearing, uh, but be applying it? Um, We live in an age where you can just, at the flick um, of a button, you can hear any sermon um, across the globe, uh, and we are constantly consuming sermons. When I was at college, Bible college, we were listening to about 10 sermons in a week, and we were in lectures, but we were still godless in many areas of our lives. Um, and that's the reality, isn't it? That you can hear 100 sermons, um, the seed of the Word of God can be sown in your life, uh, and it never takes fruit unless you Take a time to understand it. What does it mean to understand it? To understand the areas that Jesus is calling you to repent. Um, What are those areas uh, in your life? I think three diagnostic questions will uh, help us as we go on in this week um, to just to help us with uh, thinking about are we people um, who are in this fourth scenarios, uh, people who are good soil, who hear the word and understand it, um, interrogate it, and see how it applies to our lives. Um, so the first diagnostic question is, are you in a place that you actually, where you're actually hearing the word? Are you in a place in your life where you hear the word? And I think last week's sermon touched a lot on this. Um, are you prioritizing places, moments, where you are reading the Bible either in a small group, um, coming to church? Is that a priority for you? Or are you out there chasing money? Are you in a place where you are hearing the word of God? 
There's a lot of things uh, that Christchurch Midland has, uh, one of which is our live groups. And I would encourage you, if you're not part of that, uh, please join a live group because that's a place where you get to interrogate the word. You don't have to listen to a guy talking. You can say, no, but I don't understand verse 13. I don't think it applies to me. Or I don't think Jesus was saying that or meaning that uh, in chapter uh, verse 13. Life groups are a place to do that in, in community, to grow together in community. So uh, I'd encourage you to join that. The second diagnostic question is, is there an area in your life where there's a gap between Jesus as king and you as king? Is there a, a, a place in your life right now where Jesus is challenging you um, to place him as king. Whatever sermon you've listened to, Bible reading, personal, is it challenging you um, towards placing Jesus as king in different areas of your life? The last one is, is your life marked by repentance and faith? Is that the mark of your life? Um, or have, are you at a place where you're cruising? I've been a Christian for 10 years. Man, I got this under my belt. Uh, repentance and faith, that's for new Christians. Perhaps that's you. Um, is your life marked by repentance and faith? Are you actually hearing Jesus when the word is taught? Do you think to yourself, sure, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this, or do you think, shucks, I suck at that area of my life. Jesus, you died for me. You displayed your grace on the cross for me. Please help me in this area of my life to live for you. Uh, may God help us. Um, as we hear his word and put it into practice. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much um, for this, your word. May it take root in our lives. I pray that we would meditate on it, uh, that we would interrogate it, um, that we would ask ourselves those diagnostic questions, um, that we would not just be people who hear your word, um, but that we would live by it. Uh, Father, I pray that for those who are not followers of you, those who have not bowed their knee to Jesus, I pray that they would um, come to a place where they come to the end of themselves, um, that being boss of their lives hasn't been that great, um, that they would place Jesus as boss and as king over our lives, and that he would call the shots. I pray that for all of us, that as we step into this week, uh, may we be people who are transformed by this upside-down uh, kingdom, that we would live such radical lives for you, uh, that those who do not know you may come to you. So use us this week. Uh, give us power by your spirit uh, to do the things that you've called us to. And this we pray in your name and for our good. Amen.